Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAI Ball Podcast, powered by AdCraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. Our friends at AdCraft have been with us for many years now. They've run web stores for us multiple times. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping the product, and helping your customers so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com. All right, guys, welcome on into the NAIF Ball Podcast. You heard the ad read. We are powered by AdCraft, your custom apparel merch and uniform experts, putting out some really, really pretty content. Uh, they put out a laser engraving that was just... It was like ASMR from my eyes. Um, you can see that I am Johnless tonight, and you may wonder who is the floating head next to me. That is the man, the myth, the legend, the intern, Matt Schwartzler. Matt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Corey. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on tonight. I'm really hey. excited. It's our pleasure. I mean, you know, you do happen to be kind of our, our GPAC expert over here, seeing that, you know, you do play in the GPAC. It does help. This is true. I have a lot of good insight, whether I want to have it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So what we've been doing in the last, uh, or the first couple of of interviews, not interviews, previews here as we've been going, is kind of been going from the bottom to the top and and start to to do that and working on uh, naming at the very end a... um, who we expect to win the the division or conference and our dark horse, which doesn't necessarily have to be a pick to win the division or conference. It's just a, a pick to overachieve um, and, and defy gotcha. expectations. So we are going to start up in South Dakota, Yankton to be exact, with the still winless Mount Marty Lancers. I got to say, they might not have a win. But I do love their uniforms. They're pretty cool. As a college football fan in general, the Notre Dame thing they got going yeah. on, I, I don't mind it. I they got some good graphics to go with it, too. I, t- I totally dig it. The, the, the goldish thing, I, I love a good gold. I mean, you know, call me a Florida State yeah. fan, but I love a good gold. <laughs> now, Mount, Mount sure. Marty was, was bottom in the G-Pack, offense and defense, last year. Uh, they didn't even get four yards per play offensively, and they were almost giving up seven per play defensively for a net yards per play of almost negative three yards. They do have one lone returning a GPAC player here in, in defensive back Dylan Caps, 49 tackles, two picks, and three pass breakups a year ago. Matt, what's what's the feeling out there on, on Mount Marty? Do you think they're going to get off the schneid this year? I think so, and I think you can look at what they did last year as the first-year team. Um, and granted, they didn't win a game, and obviously giving up almost twice as many yards as you're putting out is not a recipe for success. But those guys fight. They have a lot of heart. They have a good coaching staff put together. They were, I mean, a couple plays away from from getting a couple wins on the board. Um, just seeing what they did last year. They got after it, and they got a lot of good athletes on that team. And obviously, being a first-year team in the G Pack of all conferences is pretty brutal. Um, I'll probably reiterate this like a million times throughout the episode, but 
I'm very high on this conference. Obviously, I'm a little biased, but there's a lot of good teams and a lot of good competition on, at all levels. So I think they're close. They really, they, it is really a tough conference, especially when you look at the top. And, and you do look, and, and they uh, were a score away from beating Briarcliff, a score away from beating Hastings, and a couple scores away from, from Midland um, and, and Dakota Westland. To, to open the season there. So, yeah, there's definitely some fight, and they return a lot of offensive skill pieces, and, like, literally, I didn't see a single senior on their defense when I was when I was putting the show notes together. So, look, I mean, you know, if you're, if you're some of these other bottom guys in the GPAC, whether, you know, it be Hastings, whether it be Briarcliff, you know, you've really got to look out for, or Jamestown. I hate, Jamestown's on the way up to me. We'll, we'll get to them eventually. But if you're one yes, of those kind of bottom, bottom three teams there, you've really got to be looking out for Mount Marty. Because of their newness, they're going to be able to have a little bit more energy than, than a really, really established program is going to have. And you're going to have to watch out. They might bite you. I think so. And I don't think that's even limited to the bottom three teams, like you said. And this is also a conference where the the middle can just eat itself alive. That is true. Teams beating each other all over the place. And the transitive property does not apply at all. (laughs) If you thought it did, this conference is proof that it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Midland and Doan uh, and Dakota Wesleyan, they're kind of that that middle, middle three. Uh, we'll definitely beat up on each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's usually how it goes. So, moving over to Hastings. Hastings being kind of—I don't want to call them unique. I mean, you know, yes, yes, they are. They are the home of College Football Hall of Fame coach Tom Osborne. That's why the trophy is named the Tom Osborne Trophy is uh, due to his time at Hastings there in Nebraska. And um, I know we've got some stuff covering it up right there, but thank you so much to the fine folks over in Hastings for the fantastic picture. Guys, we're trying to get just as many of these as, as we can because, let's be honest, I like them. I like stadiums. I'm a nerd. So thank you to Hastings. Hastings actually had a halfway decent offense for for being kind of uh, for being two and eight four yards per per play you know if you if you get that out over three plays yeah, it's first down the problem yeah, was the problem was they were giving up uh, six and two-thirds yards per play on defense that's not a recipe for success <laughs> no not at all but I do think offensively the past few seasons, anyways, at least my three years I've played in the GPAC, they've always had good running backs. They've always been able to run the ball pretty well, that's which I think be, is something they can stick to. That's going to be interesting this year because they do lose Tyree Nesmith there, the running back position, mm-hmm. who scored six touchdowns, was running five yards a pop. Um, you know, and, and no all-conference offensive linemen, so that kind of brings up the question of, all right, which one's going to give here? Is it, is it going to be, are you going to be able to bring in a good running back or is it, was it something that was more offensive line related and they just kind of did it as, as a unit, you know, 
um, and no one stood out. Uh, you do return Kobe uh, Brandenburg there on the back half of your defense, and, and you're talking about a no-fly zone on his part of the field. Five interceptions, six breakups. If you're going to his side of the field, you're not getting those six and two-thirds yards, I would imagine. For sure. But so, sure. but they do return a lot of skill players, quarterbacks, wide receivers, most of their defense. There's just a lot of room for improvement, and we and so you kind of wonder at some of these other teams, whether it be Hastings, Briarcliff, Jamestown, who's going to be able to take that next step? Who's going to be able to, you know, put it together, have enough um, institutional support? To, to get it done and to, you know, break through here. What do you think about Hastings? They're always solid. I mean, I'm, you're going to find me hard pressed to say a lot of bad things about the teams in this conference, especially because I'm still playing next season. <laughs> so I don't want <laughs> to be the one true. giving out bulletin board material. That's your job, Corey. So dang right. Um, you can, you can stick to that and I will be, the good cop over here, but um, I, I've always had a lot of respect for the way they do uh, things offensively, especially a couple of seasons ago in the season opener when we went down there and played them and they absolutely rocked us by like 30, 40 plus points. I don't know if you remember that, but um, yeah, they, and they have good coaches and they always bring in good good skill positions. Like you said, they always have a solid running back. They always have good receivers that can make plays. It's just a matter of defensively for them, you know, being able to put all the pieces together because they have the talent and granted, like units need time to develop and all that. And I think they have the pieces. I, most of the teams in this conference have the pieces. It's just a matter of pulling out those 50, 50 games. Yeah. I mean, you let's, let's say you, you put some of these teams in, in, um, in other conferences, whether it, it be the sooner or whether it be uh, the even the frontier or or the the north star, these teams aren't going to be two win teams. Uh, you know, just looking at at the stats here and just starting to compare conference to conference on those stats. I mean, you, you're looking next here at a Briarcliff team who won three games while you know giving up six and a third yards per play, who returns a good receiver, good receiver in Aaron Okoro, returns a quarterback, returns their running backs, their, most of their wide receivers, most of their defense. They're sitting there at three and eight on the year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hard. And um, yeah. <laughs> for Briarcliff, I, I wonder how, how much more difficult is life made for Briarcliff Sharing a city with Morningside. Yeah, that, <laughs> I'm glad you touched on that. I guess that's definitely something worth noting. And I think they still make do with what they're given. I de- They definitely use the portal. They do use transfers a bit more than Morningside does because I think it's kind of what you have to do as a program when you're recruiting against them within the same five minutes of each other. Right. Um, and I mean, naturally, because of that, they're a bit more susceptible to being up and down from year to year than a lot of other teams in the conference. But again, with that being said, um, having a, um, a good chunk of transfer guys that come in a lot of, uh, chance for there to be, you know, those diamond in the rough type of guys. 
and because of that, you see a lot of good athletes go through that program. Yeah, I'm trying to think. It, the, the example that comes to mind in, in talking about this sort of in the same way really is the NBA. It's very rare to see the Clippers and the Lakers up at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's very rare to see that together. Uh, you know, I mean, even thinking about it in, in other ways, uh, you know, North Carolina Central and Duke are in two different divisions. Florida State, Florida A&M are in two different divisions of football. I'm trying to think of some more off the top of my head, but I mean, you know, I can't imagine playing in the same conference yeah. as, as a team in the same city. And, and we're going to touch on this more when we go to the Sun. And we talk about Florida Memorial and we talk about St. Thomas and, and, and seeing that dichotomy there. Um, and those two teams are, are probably going to turn Miami Gardens into a, you know, have, have and have not scenario there at some point in their development. It's the same way here in Sioux Falls, Sioux Center, Sioux City. One of those Sioux, Sioux, Sioux places. City. Sioux yes. City. I cannot keep the Sioux places. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. And it's, it's yeah. the Sioux River, apparently, that's, that's through there. That's where all these guys, all these cities are getting their names. And I apologize yeah. to all of those cities because I can never <laughs> keep them straight. <laughs> so, going on. Is is a team that while they're two and nine and have not done much since we've started covering things, they start to catch my eye every now and again as being uh, punching a little bit above their weight class and making teams really, really uncomfortable. <laughs> That's I, the Jamestown Jimmies, the Pumpkin Heads. Yeah. I can I could speak on making people sweat a little bit because if you remember <laughs> this season, Corey, um, we were playing them. I play for Dakota Wesleyan, by the way. If you couldn't tell from all the blue I'm wearing uh, for all the viewers at home, um, <laughs> we were up. Oh gosh, it was like fourth quarter. Couldn't have been more than like six minutes left in the game. We are up thirty-one to seven, thirty-one to three, something like that. Final score, Dakota Wesleyan wins. It was 31 to 25, came down to a last play stop. <laughs> and and I know you've told me before that Jamestown's head coach comes from really good pedigree. Uh-huh. I'm a big fan of Coach Mistros. Um, he's probably, I mean, obviously I'm really close with Coach Simple. He's my head coach. But out of all the other coaches in the conference, I would say I know Mistro the best because he recruited me when he was out at uh, Concordia Moorhead, which is a really solid D3, D3 program out in Minnesota. Um, and he's a really good dude, and he's very outgoing. Um, good guy. I'm a fan of his. You can tell, though, that the culture they're building over there, it's starting to, it's starting to pick up some steam. And like you said, that this is a team that catches your eye. This is a team that I will probably get to it later because you said we're going to do some dark horse picks. So I guess I'm giving my away, mine away a bit here, but they they can do some things and they're competitive. They don't have quit in them. They're all bought in to their head coach who offensively, I mean, they do good things on offense. They have they bring in pretty decent quarterbacks. They have talented receivers who can make a lot of good plays. I mean, who know who knows what they can do next year? Honestly, 
Like, and they make people sweat, even if they're not turning a lot of those 50, 50 games yet. I think they're still on the uptrend. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, look, you've got an offensive yards per play of four and a half yards, which is going to be fairly solid. Mm-hmm. You can, you can live with that. That's good for seventh in, in the G pack, which just tells you just how crazy some of these other offenses are. <laughs> yeah. And on the defensive side, you're talking about 6.4 yards of play, which so you, so you've got a little work to do there. You do return Jordan Olson on defense with with his six interceptions, and that's a nice spot. But that is a combination of less than negative two net yards per play, and that's that's something that I think that they can live with. And I, you know, they do return K. Torgerson at quarterback, and I really think that. Coach Mistrum might have found his quarterback there. You know, I, he did a really nice job handling the football. Only eight picks as compared to 23 touchdowns. Is, uh, he's just a junior, so he's got another year. Almost threw for 3,000 yards there a year ago. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a team that, that just, they're that far from a breakout season. Mm-hmm. The only thing that you're going to have to replace is your punter, honestly. Uh, Itzhak Miles was also the kicker, three of four on field goals, uh, mm-hmm. and as long as 66 punting with uh, one of the few 40-yard averages in the, the NAI. They returned their entire defense this year. And yeah. so it's it, you've got a lot of pieces coming back. You've got to be salivating if you're Coach Mistro out there. Mm-hmm. And personally, I just love that they also call them the pumpkin heads. That is, uh, that's that's fantastic. They uh, they wear the, the the orange lids better than the Cleveland Browns. Prove yeah, I do have to admit, I'm not a fan of orange as a color altogether on a uniform. But you know, some teams can pull it off. I think Jamestown's one of them. Yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not either. Full disclosure, as a Florida State fan. <laughs> yeah, that's orange. Me me and orange just don't. They don't jive. Yeah, they don't go well together. I get that. <laughs> next, uh, next on the list is going to be uh, it's going to hit a little close to home for you, man. That's going to be <laughs> Dakota Wesleyan. Yeah, that, that's a team. How about them? <laughs> that's a team that has had a lot of adversity uh, over the last couple of years, and in 2021, still managed to almost break even on net yards per play. You've got a, a defense that's. That this is the first one we talked about that's given up less than six yards per play and by a wide margin for the rest of them. And an offense that's almost getting five per pop. Talk mm-hmm. talk a little bit about your about your Tigers. Yeah. So I mean, defensively, that was definitely the unit that led the team last year. Um, I mean, you had Cody Reichelt, the linebacker, you had Sam Kretschmar, who was an honorable mention, I think. Dom Warmbine, who you have in the notes here. Really good nose guard. I mean, Defense is definitely the point of question for a lot of people when they look at this team. I can tell you from spring ball right now, um, there's a lot of new pieces in play. Our DB unit is pretty well-versed still. A lot of guys are turning back there, but I think it's a unit that's going to be a lot more competitive than people expect because those guys get after it. They learned well from the guys above them. I'm really excited to watch them ball out. And on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we are returning – 
pretty much everybody, including TJ Benton, who was second team all conference on the old line anchor for that group. I mean, a lot of good stuff happening. I guess I don't want to give too much away because we still got a few months before kickoff here. But personally being involved, I'm super excited for the upcoming season. I mean, we got a lot of talented guys. We got a lot of new faces who I think are already prepared to take that next step um, in their role next season. And the past few seasons for us, it's been talking about, you know, taking the next step, winning those 50-50 games, you know, being able to to get over the hump per se. Um because I know last season, four and seven, I mean, any losing season isn't desirable. I mean, if we're technically speaking, any season that's not a national title, I guess, isn't super, isn't as desirable as you'd like it to be. But, you know, you got to take steps before you can make leaps and bounds. So I always, I always say and I always quote Bobby Bowden on this uh, when talking about a team's development. First, you, you lose big, then you lose small, then you win small, then you win big. And so that to me, when I'm, when I'm looking at, at these NAI teams nationally, as, as I see scores come in, you know, and I see these close games and teams reaching up and biting somebody, I go, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm taking notice. I see what you're hmm. doing there. And let's see if, if you can string a couple of those together and make some nice, start to turn those into into wins and that's where you see you've got teams coming uh, growing and coming into the forefront of a division Mm -hmm. so we've talked about these these teams so far whether it be mount marty whether it be dakota wesleyan or jamestown hastings briarcliff that's kind of your bottom half almost if we want to if we want to make tiers out of this i mean Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> of course, of course, I still have my rose-tinted glasses on. I kind of have to, considering I still play for the team. You Maybe do. in a couple of years I can come back and be a bit more unbiased, but I believe blue, man. So that's just how it is. <laughs> Absolutely. So aside from the obvious there where you're going to pick Dakota Wesley, and I'll, I'll take them out of the picture, of the other okay. four teams, <laughs> who's more likely to make the leap into the top half? Of the conference, I would argue it's Jamestown. Um, and granted, they also are on a trend. They recruit pretty nationally, at least compared to some of these other teams in the conference. Because um, no, no offense to North Dakota, because there's some great athletes that come out of North Dakota, but the talent is much fewer and far between than if you go to the coast, which is where they've recruited, or if you go to other parts of the Midwest, like Minnesota, or you go to Colorado. You know, there's there's more athletes out there and that's where they've recruited. And that's where I think they're getting more talent from to buy into the, the vision that Mistro has. There's also more people. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the given. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice. So that's all right. Try but... to cater to our, to our great Plains viewers here. My, my, my friends at, at Dickinson state will give me crap. I'm sure. Um, mm. And so now we kind of get into this this middle section, and out of out of this middle section, where you know we're going to talk about a Doan, Midland, Concordia, kind of those three together. Well, I'll save that for for before we get to the 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 top the top tier here. 
But those are those are kind of the three that I'm grouping together here. Is kind of your your mid tier, you know, going from like uh, Concordia seven and three to Dones five and five. These are these are teams that are going to be really close to breaking even on net yards per play or slightly above. So starting yeah. with the Done Tigers, who had a really good defense uh, a year ago, four point five six yards per play allowed, which was good for fourth in the division. But they are. Uh, they're missing a lot of guys defensively next year that made that defense a really good squad. Mm-hmm. I do specifically remember on our scouting report, they had a lot of upperclassmen on that defensive side of the ball. And so that's, that's going to be the question here. As we talk about that, the bottom portion, we're, you know, we're going to return to this. There, there might be um, a little bit of, of turnover in in these in these two tiers here as some of these upperclassmen start to filter out you know maybe not as much at the at the top where you've got you know your Morningside your Northwestern your Dort um I don't know that those teams are going anywhere they've established some crazy good culture I don't those teams reload the, yeah, a, exactly. You can have as many guys leave as you want they're always going to be able to bring in other talent developed guys and credit to Dort that when we started this was not in that picture. Nope. Not at all. And they have developed that that team. We'll get to that in a minute, but I, I do want to point that out. Now now you're talking about Dort as a team that is in that top tier solidly. So if if you're if you're down here, you do return your running backs, your quarterbacks, the alignment Ty Barb is on there. You've got to get better offensively. You were eighth in the 11-team conference offensively. You've got to improve. Your defense has to be next man up here because you do lose Riley Heidhoff, Mason Krause, Damon Brown. You know, some really nice pieces out of your front seven that you're going to have to figure out where are you going to get those back. I mean, defensively, you look at their linebackers, that's the position group I really look at because uh, the past couple seasons that we've played them and I was on the field for one of them, I had a knee injury last year, so wasn't able to get up close and personal with all these teams, unfortunately. But I remember a couple seasons ago, that linebacker unit was really, really good. Um, And that stack defense they run is they've had the right guys um, in those spots for them. Um, and I think losing two of those main pieces in your linebacker core is really, I, I mean, you're right. Like, how are you going to replace those guys? And I don't know, like, I guess I don't check up on everybody's rosters, so I don't know what they have behind them. But at the same time, those are guys that younger guys can learn from. So I don't think it's end of the world for them, but it is, it is going to be interesting to see what guys come to the forefront of that defense next season. And honestly, you know, other than, than Morningside and, and Northwestern, we don't have 100% certainty who is leaving, who is staying. We just, at, at this point, COVID has made us say that out loud because <laughs> we have to make these assumptions that mm-hmm. uh, if you had SR next to your name last season, you're probably not back. But, you know, sometimes we're wrong. We're often wrong in that regard. But you talk about the linebacker position. I mean, especially in 
a conference like the GPAC, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm thinking about the offenses of those top three squads, I mean, you've got to have really, really good linebackers. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, obviously Morningside has the outstanding offensive line, has the outstanding running game, and has outstanding wide receivers that have traditionally loved to go over the middle. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Northwestern, who I'm not sure if Blake Fryer is going to be half the running threat that um, Dagum Tyson Coimo was. But by George, <laughs> you've had a running attack there with your quarterback that gives mm-hmm. defensive coordinators nightmares. And then that RPO game of of, of George, you've got to have good option. Yeah, you've man, you've got to have good linebackers to read and react. And so that yeah. might that might be a problem for Dome this year. Mm-hmm. Then we go to Midland. Now, before last year, I had I had GPAC coaches telling me, "Hey, watch Midland this year." And you know, sure as God made little green apples, if I remember correctly, they gave Northwestern literally all they could handle. Uh huh. And it's a team that had a good offense, five point two eight yards per play and had a decent defense at 5.29 yards given up basically even between the te- between the halves of that team there they've just got a lot that's leaving and i almost wonder if they might have maybe missed their opportunity to climb and uh, up in the echelon of the G pack and make their mark a little bit here before these seniors left. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they also maybe not quite as Barcliffe has had to adjust to using the transfer portal to survive being in the same city as Morningside. But I think Midland too, in the past couple seasons, I could be incorrect, but I'm pretty sure they've also been a school that brings in a, a few de- decent transfer players. Um, at least the past few seasons have, and I mean, especially with COVID, like who knows? I mean, yeah. everybody's bringing in transfers right. now, so I guess that statement's not very special to say anymore. <laughs> but um, I guess more so than other teams, um, they are also a school that also that every year it seems like just has dogs on both sides of the ball. They have guys who could fly around and make plays and hit you in the mouth, and I mean, they're. There are teams in the bottom half of the conference that just can't handle that. And like you said, they gave Northwestern a run for their money. And Northwestern is really, really, really good. (laughs) It's not easy to give that team trouble. Yeah, I mean, mean, Northwestern has now distanced themselves from a little bit of their playoff issues that they've had. Uh, You know, you look at Northwestern, they've had, what was it that I talked about with McCarty? It was like three losing seasons in the past like 50 years. So you're talking about a team with a lot of good football to their name. And so to give them trouble is definitely something good. But there's a, lot. Something. That's yeah. a, there's a lot that's leaving, whether it be Kenneth Carr with 762 yards or whether it be Dalton Tremaine, who was their leading rusher from the wide receiver spot with 432 rush yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you lose a couple defensive linemen and Chase Lipsis and Trevor Havlovic. You know, who combined for 110 tackles and 24 tackles for loss 
and five pass breakups on the defensive line. Talking about guys that get their hands in, in into the passing lanes there. Yeah, I know for a fact, speaking from experience, um, we have gotten yelled at on the sideline many times about them batting balls down, specifically Midland, I can remember. So I'm sure those guys had something to say about it. <laughs> Absolutely. And so they do return very few, even even past their couple that are, uh, you know, all conference. There are a lot of seniors on on uh, their uh, Presto page on their lineup. And so really and truly, it's it's going to be very difficult for them to tread water, I think, maybe this year. And if they do tread water this year, then we're going to be, that's, that's going to turn my head. You know, in it, just as much as Jamestown, if Jamestown goes 500, that's, that's going to turn my head. If, if Midland can hold steady with losing as much as they have, that's going to make me, me kind of, sit up and watch a little bit. Yeah. I think I think they'll be able to cuz like I said they also like they always have talent. I mean, again, I'm saying things that could probably be applied to a lot of teams, but they stand out to me as a team, especially being in the middle of the pack of the conference as they always bring in talent and they always have guys. Granted, I don't know how deep they are. I think roster number-wise, they have a lot of guys, but I'm pretty sure they also have a JV team if I'm not mistaken, a I lot. Could be wrong. A lot of these schools do at at, at this in in this mm-hmm. conference do have JV squads. Um, yeah, I mean, can't relate, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't right. Know if that's I don't. That's not supposed to be a knock. I don't know. I just we've never had you know 150 plus guys on a roster before, so we've never been able to do that. Right. But um, there's pros. I know that there are a lot of teams it. that have a lot of bodies. So who know, who knows who could come out of the woodworks for them. So then we go to Concordia, and uh, you know, not not the Cardinals. These these are the Bulldogs. <laughs> always have to. It's it's Concordia and Bethel that always give that always give everybody trouble. It's a million Concordias and a million Bethels. Even if it's not in the NAI, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> the other one is is Benedictines. I mean, um, oh yeah, there. So Benedictine Kansas is the only Benedictine. In that that plays football, but there's Benu Mesa out in Arizona that does some stuff, and I want to say there's one like up in the upper Midwest somewhere, but you know who knows. <laughs> Probably <laughs> getting back to it, you know, Concordia the Bulldogs there they were receiving votes at times during the season for us, a seven and three record. They're the first team that we are getting to right now that has had a positive net yards per play. And that's because of their defense. 4.27 yards allowed there. That is good for third in the conference. Uh, and, and that's led by Lane Napier, who had 134 flipping tackles. That's sure. That's insane. I mean, he's, what, a five-time all-conference guy now because of COVID? That sounds about right. Something, I mean, something crazy like that. <laughs> and, and he is leaving. So that's, that's a huge, yeah. that's a huge guy to have to replace. You also lose Cadron Cox, who added 55 tackles and 13 tackles for loss there. Yep. There's a lot that's that's leaving here for Concordia. Those are kind of most of what's leaving on the defense. They do return quarterbacks, running backs, uh, wide receivers. The whole nine yards, you do lose Garrett Sharp. 
Um, S-C-H-A-R-D-T for those who are wondering. Um, you know, can Concordia take that next step and become the next Dort? I think they could. Um, it is interesting that Garrett uh, Shard, I'm going to emphasize the DT there um, <laughs> for his own sake. Um, he's leaving because he was a really solid tight end for them. And 500 yards, what is that, five touchdowns? 15.8 yep. yards per catch. Not only that, but he was really good in their run blocking game too. He was a big part of what they did offensively. Um, and I think that offense gets going and they're a scary team. I mean, you saw it in years past, like they were, you know, they were seven and three. They, um, the year prior were in, they started undefeated. I mean, they were in the top 25 for the first half of the season the year before, you know, so they are definitely a team that can get stuff done. And I think offensively, if you have the pieces there, I, I feel like their defense is never really in question, even with Lane Napier leaving. Mm-hmm. I still think they'll be okay. Their defense will probably look a bit different because a lot of what they did, at least from my memory, was, um, you know, um, catered towards what Lane could do. But that's not to say that the rest of their defense isn't capable. The rest of their defense is extremely capable. They are very good and they get after it. Um, I think offensively, if you can have the pieces there, they are going to be a very competitive team again. So now we're kind of at the end of this this sec this middle tier of teams here, and and really to me the thing that uh, separates these teams in in my mind, just looking at them, these teams lose an absolute ton defensively. And so we we alluded to it earlier. I said I'd get back to it. Now I am. Could you see some of these teams lose out and drop to that, that bottom tier and see a couple of the bottom tier teams take their spot just almost due to cycling of, of players? I think it's a possibility. Like I said before, you never really know how outside of the top three or four teams, how it's going to go, honestly. Um, because somebody could have, be having an up year and a team could be having a down year and it'll cycle all through. Um, I, it, it relies all on those 50-50 games. Like, are those teams going to have the personnel and the guys to be able to pull out those games against teams of similar caliber, maybe slightly below, maybe slightly above? It's And I don't think it's a given just because you lose a ton of guys that you're going to be done for but also this is this is definitely a conference where you need to have your guys so i don't know that really doesn't give anyone a clear answer but it's also to say that anything can really happen so i'm not saying a team's gonna be set here i'm not saying a team's gonna set to be set to drop in the next three years to the bottom of the conference it's just to be aware keep your eyes out the whole season because it's gonna be chaos always is you talk about losing players, um, you know, not making that huge, that huge difference there. And I think to me, the biggest um, example of that is honestly Dort. You, in, in 2020, you lost. Noah Clayberg. 
Mm-hmm. You 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 lost that that guy that was in, uh, almost one of those eternal guys for you. Um, you know, started it out at Iowa and then makes his way over to Dort. Um, I know, crazy, right? He was a yeah. Jackham, Iowa Hawkeye, for goodness sake. Oh, trust me, I knew. <laughs> I was well aware. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, you you might look at this and go, well, well, Corey, can Corey is seven three and Dort seven and three? What? Why? Why do you put these in two different categories? Honestly, to me, it's it's all due it's all due to the stats in the in, in the history here. You saw that Concordia's net yards per play is a little under a half a yard per play net. Dort, you're now looking at almost uh, at a little over two and a third yards per play net. They had the second best offense in the conference behind only Morningside, a better offense play to play than Northwestern and had a decent defense to go along with it. Dort is a team that we, and like we said earlier, three years ago, Dort was not in this top, this top section. It was Morningside and Northwestern and the rest. And Dort has made their way into this top section. And it's because they're hard to defend. No, they are insanely difficult to defend. It's the offense they run and everybody, you know, oh, it's triple option. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But they are really, really good at it. They don't have to do anything fancy because they are really good at what they do offensively. If you can nail an offensive system and have 10, 15 go-to plays and you're really good at them, you're, you're pretty set. And they are near perfection offensively. I mean, it is hard to find a a weak link in how they do things on the offensive side of the ball. And they're bringing back so much offensively. It's it's almost unfair. Josh <laughs> yeah. Bush with 594 yards and six touchdowns. Anthony Trojan with 774 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. Two all-conference offensive linemen and Walter Black and Alex Iceman. Mm-hmm. I mean... Defensively, Jessup Leakey uh, was an all-conference selection. Brayton uh, Van Kekrix was an all-conference selection. Really, your, your big questions here are how do you, how do you, well, you look, you don't lose Jungling or Kabongo, really, because I think they both have coaching positions at Dort. Um, mm-hmm. At least one of them does. It, it's been six months since I've seen that news article, but <laughs> Jungling was like there, there was absolutely their deep threat, almost a thousand yard receiver, and Kabongo oh, yeah. in their defensive backfield was their defensive quarterback. That's yeah. <laughs> man, and there were third. Yeah, and I think statistically they're getting. I mean, like you said, they had the second best offense in the conference ahead of Northwestern, who granted Koima's hurt but had the returning, what, national player of the year on their roster? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. That's And that's no easy task, especially with Fryer, because, I, I mean, we'll get to Northwestern next, but Fryer's also a really good quarterback, and that team is always super high-powered. It's not easy to outstep them. <laughs> so if you're Dort, I mean, now you've had, now you've had a season of people having a target on your back. I think that might make it a little easier. And they still came within one score of, of beating uh, Morningside. It was like, a, I think it was like a pick, a late pick 
uh, that, that cost them in that game, and, and they also gave Northwestern a, a run for their money. Dort's in, a, Dort's in an interesting position. They could either very much take the, the next giant step and start, you know, challenging Morningside and Northwestern for their playoff spots, or you could see a team that is a little bit of, of a left-at-the-altar kind of team and, and is here some years and, and, and not here others, time will tell I, how consistent they're going to be. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that they were within the top, what, I don't know. They only had two losses a year or two ago and almost made the playoff, if I'm not mistaken. two years. So in 2020, they did make the playoffs. It they was, did, that's correct. Yeah, it was three yeah. GPAC teams for the that's first right. time in forever, which was insane. Yeah, so they, I mean, they've already made their case that they are, like, they're here, and they're here to stay, and I think the way that coaching staff is operating, I mean, they got good guys developing mm-hmm. around there, they got all the players, they recruit well, I mean, they're they're going to be around for a while, I think. Absolutely. But here's your problem. The next two teams, and yeah, we'll start that, with Northwestern. That, <laughs> I mean... We, we mentioned it earlier, three losing seasons in the past 50 years. Um, it's not too shabby. That's, that's, not, that's not too shabby at it's all. Not too shabby. Third in the conference with almost six and two-thirds yards per play. Second in defensive yards per play with just over four. And a net yards per play of almost two and a half. <sighs> and they bring back so freaking much. It's absurd. You lose Tyson Coima. Yes, but now you've got Blake Fryer, who's played a half a season. It with, looks pretty good. And looks good. <laughs> Matt McCarty told me a couple years ago that Blake Fryer lost one game in high school. Hmm. And it was to Tyson Coima. Really? <laughs> That's too funny. And so it's, yeah, in the state championship to Tyson Coima. Fryer acquitted himself well in the national championship game against Lindsey Wilson. He acquitted himself nicely. Now, look, he's not Tyson Coima. The man, the man can run a little bit. He was positive on his, on his rushing yard, scored a couple touchdowns, but the man is not, not Tyson Coima. Ah, I mean, there's not much you can say besides that. I'm... Coima was, when he was on the field, he was something special. Mm-hmm. You know? It's it's hard to follow that up, but I think also comparing Coima to Fryer definitely takes away from Fryer's ability to throw the ball because that kid yeah. can throw the ball. And the good news, <laughs> Holy crap. And the good news <laughs> for Fryer is that he gets Cade Mosier and Michael Story back. That's yeah. 20... <laughs> Three almost twenty four hundred receiving yards and thirty touchdown catches that you get back. Plus, you get Connor McQuillan and Logan Meyer, who ran for thirteen hundred yards and twenty touchdowns themselves. I think something that interests me about Northwestern too, because everybody talks about their offense. 
I mean, they've had a good offense for forever, right? You said they were second mm-hmm. in defense, which is something that I don't think people talk about a whole lot. They had a really good defense last year, and they're not losing. I mean, they're losing some guys, but they're not losing everybody. Right. I you mean, you, you're bringing back Jessen Ranking, uh, a defensive line. You're bringing back the other Fryer, Parker Fryer. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, he's really good. And he, he was a freshman last year, wasn't he? I want to say so. I, you know, I, I made the joke with Matt McCarty. You know, one of these days, he's going to run out of Friars. And one of these days, he's going to run out of Mosiers. And I don't, know what he's gonna, I don't know what he's going to do at that point. Because it's, it's been Mosiers and Friars that have, that have just absolutely starred for Northwestern for the past, seems like, five years. Uh, Noah Van Hoff and their defensive secondary was really good a year ago. Cole Telford had a kick return touchdown, also played defensive back. Jaden Snyder over here almost getting 40 yards per punt, but yet he's also picking off eight dadgum passes. Versatile. 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 Yeah. I, okay, so you do lose Brett Mosier. I, t- I told you they're running out of the Mosiers. Um but that's about it defensively. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, we, we talked about Dort, you know, maybe can they take another step? This is your first big roadblock. Can you yeah. beat Northwestern? And that's that's not an easy task. They've come oh, close. Yeah. They've they've come closer. They've inched closer to it. But if you really want to send a message, if you're Dort this year, you got to find a way to beat Northwestern. Absolutely, that or Morningside, which which both of those oh, are yeah. easier said than done. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, it's just hard to tell because both those teams are just so they're just so good. I can't even say that like oh, beating this one over the other is more doable. I don't know. I mean, every team's different. They match up differently, especially yeah. with the offense that Dort runs. I don't know what defense does really well against them. I, it's who knows. Uh, yeah, got to be one of them. It, you've got to be one of them. You, you've you've got to you got to put your name on the map, even more than you already than than you already yeah. have. Now, we talked about Northwestern's offense, six and two thirds yards per play. We talked about Dort's offense. 7.14 yards per play. But now we just get to ludicrous in Morningside. Ludicrous speed. Ludicrous speed. That is the speed that Morningside plays their that offense is, at. That's other Seven, operating. 7.93 yards. Pretty much eight. Pretty much eight. Pretty much Almost eight. every time they're snapping the ball, they're getting a first dadgum down. Yeah. I, I mean... I can barely wrap my head around these numbers. Yeah, it's absurd. And they had a good defense. No. Oh, yeah. Not a good defense. A great defense. Great defense, yeah. (laughs) To go along with it, 4.14 yards per play. What do you do about that differential? (laughs) I don't have an answer for you. (laughs) They're just that good, man. Like I said, they're, I mean, these teams, they reload, and they reload really well. <laughs> and it's not fair either, because let's run down the list of who they have returning. 
Oh. <laughs> your 24th year senior, no, not really 24th year senior, fifth year senior, Joe Dolinchek, who almost threw for five bills last season. Which I remember being in the, uh, the, the Twitter spaces right after uh, I got done with that game. And hearing him say that he's coming back for a fifth year, and I, in the back of my head, I'm just like, "Oh joy, that's so that's so good." You're just <laughs> that's so, so happy fun to hear for that. everybody else. <laughs> and and I gotta and I gotta and I gotta give his dad a shout out while we while we talk while we oh, talk yeah. about him. Frank Dolanjack is is amazing. <laughs> One of our just a, an absolute friend of NAIF ball, and and a joy to to have around. And and I just look forward to to seeing his his comments everywhere because it's it's it, they're fantastic. Yeah. So you I bring agree. back your all universe quarterback. <laughs> you bring back Zach Norton with 952 yards and six touchdowns. You bring back Caleb Schweiger with 895 yards, five touchdowns, and two daggum punt return touchdowns. You bring back Sione Tuifua, who is a great blocker and caught uh-huh. five touchdown passes. You bring, you have yeah. an all conference lineman who's coming. Back. He was, which by the way, he was incredible in that semifinal game. Holy cow! Made a really nice catch towards the back of the end zone. I think. I've kid's I've, an athlete. <laughs> I've got my eyes on him. I I can't remember exactly how big he is, but oh, he's massive. I that <laughs> that kid that I don't I don't I don't know about the NFL, but that kid can probably find someone to pick him up to play professional ball. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> the only piece, the only couple pieces you're missing from that offense is going to be Anthony Sims and Reed Jurgensmeyer. Yeah. And a couple Which of you, offensive linemen. You still have a lot of returning production, and then you that's taking out Sims and Jurgensmeyer, which, like, if you put them in with all the other names returning, it kind of blows my mind how that many guys can have those good of numbers, like I don't know how you pull that off. <laughs> yeah, I, but oof. there's only there's only one football here. I exactly. It, you look at these numbers, and you you wouldn't think so. <laughs> it, it's like they've got three or four out there. I'm I'm seeing if I can find yeah. which, like which for reference, Sims and Jurgensmeyer both had over 1,600 yards rushing for Sims and receiving for Jurgensmeyer. And that is taking them out of the equation of a 900-yard receiver, another 900-yard receiver, another almost 900-yard receiver, etc. <laughs> you know, and so for Morningside, Jurgens Meyer for this run that they've had has kind of been that steady, that steady Eddie caught a touchdown pass in the last in all three national championship games that they've uh-huh. been in. And Sims takes over for, for AP, Anthony Ponder, and just does incredible. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking at this, and, and looking at the score of the national championship, Grandview holds Morningside under 40. Which how, is really impressive. How, how good was Grandview's Dagum defense to do that? And that was a game into the final quarter of play. You yeah. know, a 28-28 game going into the, the final the final quarter. Uh-huh. Yeah. So let's talk about their defense because their, their offense gets a lot of love. And their defense, 
they're returning just so many pieces. It's it's just like the offense. It's not fair. Weston <laughs> Schultz, that defensive line, 54 tackles, three forced fumbles, six pass breakups. Jalen Portis, 76 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. Uh, Cooper Von Segrin is is in there, and I why I don't have stats for him, I don't know. But Lonel Boyd, 72 tackles. Three interceptions, seven pass breakups. Jamal Jones, 38 tackles, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Drew Bessie, uh, 45 tackles, two interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Uh, How how do you offense? How do you offense (laughs) against this? I mean, there are teams that have found a way, but the teams that have found a way are also the ones who have insane offenses similar to Morningside's. So... I, <laughs> and even Northwestern last year in the playoffs, that yeah. game was like, I don't think either team made the twenties in that game. It was like, it was neither team made, I think it was 29 to 17 was the final yeah. score. If I remember correctly, which we so, were expecting like 54 to 48. Here. Yeah. Yeah. The games like flip flopped because Grandview and Lindsey Wilson had a super high scoring game. Now, the one thing that you are going to miss on that defense, and we talked, we talked earlier about uh, about Midland and uh, no, what Midland either. Is it Doan? Is it Doan? Oh, linebackers? Yeah, it was a linebacker. Yeah. So we talked earlier about Concordia and Lane Napier and his 134 tackles and we sit here and we go, ooh, ah, 134 tackles. Well, then you've got Tyler Wingert with 150 freaking one. I mean... 19 and a half tackles for a loss, six and a half stats, three interceptions, four pass breakups, and the man didn't even start until last year. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we talked to the folks over there. We, we talked, and, you know, Tyler Winger was just a kid that waited his turn mm-hmm. and, and got in and did incredible things because they had a couple of great linebackers over there before them. Uh, twins that played linebacker. Yeah, there's got to be something right, about yeah. twins playing linebacker there. And man, you're gonna have to plug that hole. That's a big one. Yeah. But like you said, this is Morningside. They're not gonna be plugging for long. It's gonna be done plugged. Uh huh. So as we come to the end of this, I. I think my my pick has got to be pretty clear. Morningside, the question with them is not their talent. It's, are they going to have the drive to do it again? It's going to be one of want to. Yep. We know Northwestern's going to have the want to. They've still got to, to get over that hump. Mm-hmm. Well, Morningside have the want to, and I think talking to their folks over there, yeah, I think they, I think they are. And so, to me, I'm definitely taking Morningside. They're going to put up insane numbers. They might break some some records over here this year. I mean, when are they never in question to do so? <laughs> I feel like that's been the conversation for like five plus years now. Granted, know? in 2020. It was Northwestern in the national championship. It, it's game. true, yes, very, very true. But 
it took Morningside till the semifinals to break. You know what I mean? Yeah, that winning, that so, insane winning streak. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I I want to agree, but you know, I'm kind of a homer, Corey. <laughs> but but if I were a betting man, which I'm not, because betting on my own games is not good, and I shouldn't <laughs> do it, and I won't do it. Besides, um, where are you going to find someone who's going to take NAI prop bets? Yeah, <laughs> they're they. Apparently they exist. They, exist, they do exist. I I didn't know they did until this this year when somebody told me about them. I'm like, <laughs> you're kidding, right? Like, there's no way that's real. But <laughs> point point aside, you get a you get a, a bookie that you know probably a little shady taking these games, but boarding side has to be. It's got. I'm not. I'm not going to say I'm admitting it. Um. I'm not going to say admitting it because if my head coach watches this, I got to say face somehow. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're the clear cut favorite. I, even with Northwestern and Dort on the streaks that they're on and the way that they look, it's there's Morningside still at the top of the mountain. It's, you know, and those guys are, those guys are close, but Morningside's still at the tip top. And I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you have uh, your dark horse there. I'll let you go ahead on that one. Dakota Wesleyan University. Okay. I'll, 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 I'll let you say face there. I'll let you say yeah, face there. Yeah, of course I'm going to pick Dakota Wesleyan University. In all, in all seriousness, I do. I like the talent we got this year. I like that I'm going to be a part of it since I'm not hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we'll see what we can do. I'm actually really excited to get on the field with those guys and see what happens. If I had to make another pick, because I'm being fair here, um, I would pick Jamestown for yeah. the dark horse, and I think you'd agree with me on that. Yeah, one. oh, I hundred percent will. I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that Jamestown's going to actually get to get to five hundred this year. Um, I, I don't think that's impossible. That uh, crazier things have happened. Crazier have things have happened. Now, <laughs> now let's 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 be honest. We'll see it early because guess who plays the first game of the year? Jamestown it's, and Valley City. It's State. Jamestown and Valley City State for the paint bucket. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to see there because Valley City State is kind of your your two team in the North, North Star. Star, you know. So and, and Jamestown stuck around for a, a half last year, and and played and played them tough for a half. Mm-hmm. Can they play them tough for an entire game? Can they get over the hump and take back the paint bucket? That's going to be your, I think, to me, the bellwether on what Jamestown is this year. If they can take the paint bucket, then the rest of the G-Pack better be watching out for them orange helmets because they'll be coming for them next. Mm-hmm. Also, side note, I think on the same day, because they play on August 25th, right? That's a Thursday? Yeah, I, sure? I'm fairly certain they do. They, they play on a Thursday. Another G-Pack North Star matchup, same day, by the way. Ooh. Dakota State, Dakota Wesleyan. Oh, that's a grudge match right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, take your pick. Uh, personally, I think the the Madison game is going to be more fun, but that's just me, and I'm biased. So, you know. I'll have my eye on both games, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Um, I think CFB Campus Tours is actually going to Madison for that one. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, he I'll actually told them. me, like, I, I don't know if I should say anything. I don't know if that's spoiling anything, but <laughs> oh well. If if you're listening, you heard it here first. 
absolutely. We, we got the scoop. Um, yeah, <laughs> and getting him out of some of these NAI games, CFP Camp Stores is 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 seriously good people, and getting him oh, out yeah. taking pictures of of these games and talking about the atmosphere is such a good thing for the NAIA. Um, you're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, yes, has a small follower fan base on on Twitter, only about 6,000 followers. But man, everyone kind of seems to know him. I saw him at the Montana-Montana State game last year. The man gets around, dude. He gets, he's everywhere. So. Yeah. So he, he actually, know, he actually quit his regular job this summer. That's what he was, he was telling me something about that when I talked to him in Montana. So. Yeah. Putting it all in on, on football and. You know, that's what I wish I could do, but you know, here I am getting ready for tomorrow. (laughs) So, all right. Uh, Well, it has been, I don't know how long this is going to be after I edited down, but we've gone for a little over an hour. So if you're still with us after probably almost an hour of football talk from the, from the GPAC, God bless you. Um, (laughs) you know, and and you're really the hardcore, y'all the real MVPs out there. If you've listened to this entire thing, but For John Cooper and Matt Schwartzler, we are signing off, and we will see y'all later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast, presented by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Mommy Bay Turf and Turf Nation, as well as Leading Edge Fundraising for their support of the podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast as well as to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash N-A-I-A-F-B-A-L-L and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.